Built from the Ground Up Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Neary. Thanks for joining us. So we're here today with John Caesar from Caesar Chimney. Um, John is, is, he's famous. I don't think he thinks he is, but he's <laughs> famous uh, in my little circle, at least. I, I remember um, I've been on the forums for a while, and all of a sudden there was this guy, John Caesar. I'm like, who is this guy? He's all over the place. His T-shirts are in all the training pictures I see all over the place. He's got guys everywhere. And then I went to a show and I saw him off in the distance and there he was. <laughs> there was John Caesar. So <laughs> he's he's uh, quite the force in the chimney world. He might not think he is, but he's, he's an inspiration for a lot of guys, uh, myself included. I, I've checked out a lot of his videos over the past few months and it's like, wow, that's what I want to be. So... We have John with us. John, how are you doing today? <laughs> Nervous now. That was that was quite the interruption. <laughs> I got to live up to that now. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You, well, I'll tell you. You're. You might not think the impact that you have is there or very much, but it's you know it's for quite a few people. The the guys starting out, they they saw how you were doing things, myself included. It's like, yeah, this guy's doing it the right way, and so you're 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 doing a good job, and it's and it's helping a lot of guys. I appreciate that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the business you have, what you do, and maybe some of the things you're involved with in the industry? Sure. So I own Caesar Chimney Service in New Hampshire. Um, I've been in the chimney sweeping industry now for 12, 13 years, and I've owned Caesar Chimney since 2015, so going on our sixth year now. <clears throat> um, it's been good. We're up to seven vans now um this pandemic i know it, it's it's hurt a lot of people and it's been it's been really terrible for lots of industries but uh up here it's been really good work really never slowed down to the point that we went from six employees i remember when the pandemic started uh we shut down for two weeks we didn't know what was going to happen yeah. we didn't know if the phone was going to ring or if anybody would let us in their house so we shut down for two weeks did some in-house training some organization uh, at that time we had six employees and last week we hired our 23rd. That's great. Like, I don't know yeah. how this happened so fast. You hear a lot of people talk about growing too fast. I was like, that's not a thing. I can, you know, I'll see that coming. I didn't see it coming. And all of a sudden, um, it's growth is a funny thing because it, it'll it'll amplify holes in your business, issues that you didn't know right, you had. Yeah. And so that's been the last year for us is managing that growth and uh, and just kind of fixing as we go, really. But uh, on top of running the chimney industry, I or running the chimney uh, company. I'm also in the industry involved in the CSIA. I'm on the CSIA board. I've been on that for three years now. Uh, that's been a ride. That's been interesting yeah. to say the least. Um, but it's been good. Uh, I I have a passion for for teaching, for educating, for helping, for advancing. Uh, in my own, that started my own company. <clears throat> Excuse me, my allergies are killing me too, so that's going to happen quite a bit. Yeah, that's so okay. Don't me. worry. Um, but uh, it's been interesting, you know, to go from training our technicians, our employees, to now being responsible for manuals and tests and schools industry wide. Uh, that's it's quite a a shock, really. It's a blessing and an honor to be able to do it, but that's been uh, quite an interesting roller coaster as well. Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a very full plate. A lot of a lot of activities going on there. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Like how do you? Uh, you probably the type of person that really 
thrives in that situation. I, I think I, I'm not happy unless I have a lot going on, but at times it becomes overwhelming. And like, does that happen to you? Do you, do you, do you have those moments where it's like, man, I can't take this. And, and maybe what, what do you do to get yourself out of that? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I'm nuts. Really. I have a problem with not with saying no, really, with not uh, taking mm -hmm. on too much, and I do it all the time. My office manager, my wife, they're always telling me, you know, you need to say no, you need to slow down. I just can't. If I see something and I, I can do it, I go for it. Um, there was a period when I got out of my, when I was out of the van and I started working on the business instead of being in the business, that I started calling people, I'm like, what do I do now? Like, I don't have anything to yeah. do. I need to be moving, I need to be working, I feel bad. They're going off to work and I'm inside and it's just, what do I do? And they all said the same thing. They said, that'll go away quick. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't see how that can. Like, what, you know, what do yeah. I do? And sure enough, they were right. Uh, once I started working on the business, that became a whole extra set of tasks and obstacles and um, just another roller coaster in and of itself. But I almost work more now that I'm out of a van than I was when I was in a van. Sure. And then yeah. couple that with, I'm also on a local board here for the, uh, the New Hampshire Chimney Sweep Guild. So it's a lot. <laughs> to manage it, I don't manage it well. I take everything uh, minute by minute almost, just kind of see what, what I can tackle at each given time. Uh, for your listeners that don't know the background, this is what the second time we've had to reschedule this because I just tend to, yeah, I can do you know Wednesday. Okay, I can't do Wednesday. Okay, I can do Thursday. Oh, this thing came up and it's a lot of that. So I, yeah. I actually need to work on my time management. Well, that's the, that's the life of an entrepreneur. It's, uh, <laughs> it's always go, go, go. It's always what's next? What am I going to do to improve this? Or we're not, we're not generally satisfied ever. And there's, there's a trap in that. It's, oh, yeah. I forget what the term for it is. Uh, Mark Stoner had a, a podcast about it and it's like, we're just never satisfied and we're always reaching for the next thing. But at some point you have to, you have to find some satisfaction in, in the now, but it's, it's, it's a tough balance for sure. I, I fully get it. And I think, a lot of people, if they're listening to this podcast, they're in a similar situation as us, and they probably they probably understand it. I know for me, every once in a while, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is <laughs> this is driving me nuts. And then then I get over it. It only takes me a few minutes to get over that thought, and I try to remember, you know, why am I doing this? And then I compare it to what I maybe had to do before, and I the frustrations I had there, like everything we do in life, we're going to have frustrations, I think, no matter what, it Absolutely. could be any, right, it could be our, so like we, I was into drones, big time, I have one sitting over there, it's it's as big as me, I had tons of them, I made them, I sold them, I do, it was the, my, the, my most favorite thing to do in the world. But once I got so deep into it, then it certain things started to become frustrating. And it's like, I'm losing the fun. So that kind of happens with everything and it's sure to happen with, with our businesses, but it's, it's just part of it. It's, yeah. there's a lot of emotions I think that happen with an entrepreneur for sure. Have you, um, maybe we can talk a little bit about some pains because when you start a business, when you run a business, uh, there will be pain. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's like, okay, we're willing to endure it. That's, that's, we're doing this because whatever the reason we started this out, have there been any particular things that were painful that maybe you found a solution for, maybe even things that are ongoing pain, it's a chronic pain. And you're, you're wondering if there's <laughs> maybe a way to get rid of it. 
<clears throat> well, to touch on what you were just talking about, the first pain really that I encountered was I'm a big e-myth guy uh, for those right, yeah. that are listening. The e-myth, uh, if you're in business and you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. Yep, I agree. Um, he talks about that in there about, I think it was cupcakes. I always say cupcakes or donuts or pies, whatever the, the fictitious um, business owner he talks about in that book. Yeah. But she has the same kind of issue that she deals with where she got into it because she loved baking. It reminded her of family and good memories and the smell. And she just loved to bake. So she got into business to bake. And then over time, it becomes more of a a toil than a, a pleasure. You right. know, getting up at five, having to open the doors, having to sweep the floor, having to prep the oven, have to order the the ingredients, and that that's a very real weight for a business owner. As you, we all start out for the same reason. We like what we do. We wouldn't be doing it to make money or doing it yep. for the amount of hours that we do if we don't enjoy it. So everybody has that passion, that drive to start the business. You have to kind of find that motivation to keep going at something like you're saying waking up in the morning i don't want to go to work today and it's not just an employee thing that's a business owner that's an entrepreneur thing not wanting to just go to work and we have to that's the, the problem is you know well, i don't say an employee can they sometimes do i don't feel like coming in or i'm sick or i don't want to whatever an entrepreneur doesn't have that option and right. we have to show up every day we have to put on that face we have to 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 just be every single day and that's that wears you down and that's one of the biggest issues that i've had for a long time is always having to be on always having to make a decision or figure something out or problem solve or just be in 10 different places at once and eventually you get to a point that you just can't mm -hmm. and i got to that point a few years ago uh, talking about my story i've told other people the story before but in, in a 10 words or less kind of uh vein um i worked with somebody else for five years and i never planned on being a chimney sweep i was actually going to be a police officer i got out of the military i was going to be a police officer um, i started working for him just to make some money on the side <clears throat> excuse me while i was working up to be able to pass the physical portion of the the police test and at the time it took me to do that i just got really good at my job and i never even thought chimneys was a career i, I right. literally didn't my first uh week that i was on the job with him he said we're gonna go clean a stove i'm not even kidding i went into this person's house and i started walking into the kitchen and he stopped he goes where are you going i'm like yeah there's a the stove <laughs> <laughs> i said yeah that's where and he goes no over here i'm like why would there be a stove <laughs> in a living room that doesn't even like that's how new i was yeah. to this i'm going what so yeah. i knew nothing about it just did it to make some money but after a couple of years, I just got really good at it. And then I had a choice to make was, do I want to go be a police officer, go through all of that, start over again, or continue down this path that I've already started. And I stuck with chimneys and I stuck with him for another two, three years. But the, when you work for somebody else, you have to kind of put up with what they do and how they lead and how they run their business. And I'm not that kind of person. I think mm -hmm. I was made to be an entrepreneur. I'm, it's hard for me to work for somebody else. A lot of us have that issue. So there were things that I would see, like, let's do this, let's try this, let's change this. I remember sitting down, um, it had to be 2011, 12 maybe, and the Yellow Pages came in for an uh, uh, ad campaign or something, trying to sign them up for the Yellow Pages. And we sat through the whole thing, and I think it was $700 for the year for a quarter, half page ad. I don't even know, I wasn't listening. And she left and I'm like, why are we doing that? Why are we advertising right. in the yellow pages? There's so many better ways to do that. No, no, we have to, we have to. That's the way we've always done it. Kind of attitude, you know, yep. that's the yep. way it's been. That's what we're going to do. 
And I said, what about this Facebook? You know, we can advertise on Facebook. We can make a, a Facebook page. And he's kind of, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to, sure, run with it and whatever. But never really latched onto it. It never really gained any ground. Little things like that. There's, you know, tons of stories we have about that. But when I started my company, the first thing I did was hit Facebook hard. I said, this is where yeah. we need to go. Since my business started six years ago, my phone number has been wrong in the yellow pages. I, they gave me a number and I yeah. said, okay, we'll go with that. And then a week later I said, I don't like the number. Let's change it. And we changed it to the one that I have now. But when the phone book came out, the first number I got was in the book that doesn't even go to anybody. I still call it to this day to see where it goes. And it's just a dead <laughs> number, yeah. but it's been, I've called them. I said, it's wrong. Here's our number. You should change it. And it's never been changed. And I gave up on it years ago. And now it's never even heard us. So that, that kind of culture shift, that mindset shift of being able to keep up and adapt that's an everyday thing. You talk about improving. Right. Yep. As an entrepreneur and a business owner, we're always looking for ways to improve, to adapt, to change. I do it almost to a, a nauseating degree in my company. They, for a while, got used to every day, John's going to change something. What's he going to do? What are we going to do yep. now? What are we going to change? Or how are we going to do this? <laughs> yep. And It's just it's that need for constant improvement, how to be better, how to make ourselves better. That just drives us. That's what gets me is a long time ago, that feeling of sweeping chimneys got old. It really did. I don't want to get up on this roof. I don't want to deal with the snow. I don't want to be dirty and tired. I just didn't want to. So you got to adapt. You have to change your mindset, find something else to be passionate about in the same vein, which for me was running the business instead of running a van or sweeping a chimney. And then you continually grow within the business just to different levels. Uh, one of the reasons that we've been able to grow our company so well, I think, is we give employees that same path. because. Right. You sit through these classes. I sat through uh, Taylor Hill and Carter Hawkins talking about the millennial. At the time, I didn't call myself a millennial. I was part of that. That group was all oh, those dang millennials and, you know, mm -hmm. them. And and uh, one of my employees said, you're a millennial. I said, don't you ever use that word again. What? <laughs> yes. Don't say that. And uh, yep. I sat through Carter and Taylor's class, and they talked about it. And I said, holy crap, I am. Like everything they were saying about the needs and the wants and the feelings and wanting to yeah. be heard and wanting a passion. And I was like, I am. And I started to kind of take that on. I'm like, that's the reason why, you know, paperless everything and streamline this and efficiency that. And I started to realize that. So these employees that I have, my, my, my like I said, I have 22, 23 employees. My average age, because we went through and did it, is 27. Mm -hmm. My lead technicians average 23. We just hired two high school kids last week. Uh, you know, we, you're going to hear people talk about, oh, you can't hire. These kids don't want to work. Nobody wants a job. Pandemic this, unemployment that. We've tripled our company size in the last right. year because yeah. I don't care about uh, the things a lot of people care about. If you're willing to get on a roof and kill yourself to put this liner in or to sweep this chimney, then we will work with you. We'll figure it out. We're going to make yep. this happen. Um, I tend to do. I just talked myself right out of what I was talking about. Well, I'll I'll, I'll help you along. <laughs> really I, there's <laughs> a lot of what you said there. I agree with. It's great. I mean, it's. I, and that's something I've noticed because I, I check you out. I follow you on Facebook and I see your guys. They're all young guys. And they're like, it's like these guys, they, they, they I don't, you're either doing a really good job of hiding it, but they, if they don't, but they really look like they want to be there. And they seem like they they're do. doing a good job because they, they feel obligated to and they want to. They're not just showing up to, to get a paycheck. It's like they, they feel part of something. And, that's super important and the whole thing with the millennial like apparently i'm on the tail end of it i'm 39 so i guess they depending on who you ask i'm i'm in there 
And it's it's interesting because I've felt the same way. I'm not a millennial because they're all lazy. Well, they're not. <laughs> they're not lazy. I, I heard um, some uh, a guy that was on Mark's uh, Stoner's podcast explaining about hiring, and he talked about the millennials and why they are the way they are and why they feel the way they do because of how their parents felt. And it's not necessarily this negative thing. It's just they're different, and they they're really driven. If you give give a, a millennial something to care about, they're going to run with it. And they're, they're out there. I mean, with every generation, there's people that don't want to work. It's as simple as that. Oh, they yeah. just don't want to work. And there's some people that do, or maybe they just haven't found that thing that excites them. And I'm the same way. So I have to realize that's how people are. Like, if I'm not excited about it, I don't, I don't feel like doing it. I have to, I have to realize that I can affect change somehow. And that's like where I was in my, where I used to work. I did have a level uh, or circle of influence that was, was decently sized and I could make decisions and make things happen. And then, uh, you know, I felt great about it and I was making positive movement and it was, it was fantastic, but then things shifted and it wasn't the same, blah, blah, blah. That's a long story, but that's what drives me. It's like, and some people will say, well, I'm not in it for the money. And I've always felt that way. But it's kind of a silly thing to say. I am in it for the money, but it's not what drives me. Like, I don't, I don't get motivated by the the dollar amount at the end of a project. Like I do, but I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like I feel better about the fact that we were able to accomplish that, and now the money is. It's like okay, that's a good bonus. We got some good money for it. But tackling a project and looking back at the things you've done, and saying, yeah, I was able to do that. That's what's important to me. And I think millennials feel the same way. And that's why everyone posts everything online. It's like, look what I did. And sometimes it's to the extreme. But we, as humans, I think we like to be proud of the things we accomplish. We like to be commended. And I see that with your guys. They, I mean, I don't know, but it appears this way. They look proud of what they're doing. They, I, your videos are, they don't look scripted. And these guys are, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're mo I think you're motivating people the right way. And I can see that because you, you've got these guys coming on. So in line with that, how are you finding these guys? Because you, you've got these young guys that have some, have some meat on them and they look like they can, they can move some, some blocks around and they, how, how are you finding them? Like, what are you doing? So I get asked this question all the time. <clears throat> the short answer is indeed. Uh, okay. We put an ad out there like everybody else, and we just wait for the, the phone to ring or the, the application to come in. Um, but the majority now of the people that we've hired have been friends of employees. Okay, That's been yeah. our number one uh, way to get people in. Because like you said, they are motivated. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch when you give these young guys purpose. You give them mm -hmm. that, that reason for coming to work. If they just come to work, like you said, you get a paycheck they're not going to last very long. And if they do, they're, they're just going to kind of get through the day kind of thing. If you give them a purpose and from day one, when these guys come in, we tell them two things. One, you're responsible. You will be responsible for a homeowner building a fire in their living room or right. venting toxic yep. gases past their bedroom. Like that's day one. And they need to understand that this isn't just run a brush up a flu. This isn't just go take a couple pictures. They need to know that reason behind it. So they get that from day one. This is a very serious job. We're not playing around. You have to take this seriously. You can't, you know, half-ass it. It's going to be, this is, This has reason. So they have that purpose already. They're helping people. Mm -hmm. um, 
we talk a lot. Uh, we have an inside joke at the company that we're like superheroes. We're like Batman. We dress in dark clothes. We get up on dangerous places, go in, in dark, dirty caves, and we help people. Yeah. Our company is Batman. We kind of have that that vein running through the company of we need to do our job well. So that starts with the, the purpose. The second thing is we give them that motivation in a number of ways because coming from a millennial to now this new generation, it's not about the money for a lot of them. It really isn't. And they say that to me, like the paycheck is good and I appreciate it, but at the same time, look what I did today. You know, they're coming right. in yep. the same way that we post pictures on social media. They're coming in, look what I built, look what I did, look yep. how I fixed this. That that blue collar accomplishment is is powerful mm -hmm. to say, look, look what I was able to do. But the career path, the mo the biggest motivation is when they come in and they sit in front of us to get hired. I worked for a guy that literally when I got hired, he said, I want you to sh sit down, shut up and, and don't say anything when you're in the house and, hold right, the flashboard yep. and get me my tools. Right. Yep. And for some reason, I stayed. I don't know why. But that was that was my my uh, intro to this field was hold the flashlight, foot the ladder, get the tools. Other than that, don't say a word. Yep. We don't do that at my company. It's you come in and I tell them day one, if we hire you, it's because we see you as a potential leader in this company. I want you to eventually be responsible, not just footing the ladder and sweeping the chimney, but being responsible for the customer, for their home. And we, we drive that from day one. I don't hire ladder footers. I don't hire flashlight holders or, or gophers or like the term helper bothered me for a while. Right. Yeah. Because that's what you're asking. If you're looking for a helper for your company, you're looking for somebody to help you do your job. That I'm not saying that name in and of itself is bad, but if you have that mindset of a helper and that's what you're looking for, they feel it. They don't yep. want to help you do your job. That's not a career. That's not a draw. That's not a passion. But if I come in and I say, hey, go assist my technicians with their job, learn from them. And within a year or two, you're going to take their place. That's that's motivation. And then you couple with that. We do uh, regular reviews. So you get hired 30 days. We do a review that comes with a raise. 60 days, 90 days, six months, one year. And then within that, we have markers for how well they're progressing, how much they know. The the reviews are from the, te the lead technicians. Every week, the lead technicians get a different tech, uh, assistant technician, and they rotate through every week. So for one whole week, okay. you're with Bob. The next whole week, you're with Frank. And then you get a well-rounded experience that yeah. way. But at the end of every week, they review their technician. He was really good at this. He needed to work on that. He needs to learn how to... Uh, pull out the stove better. He needs to learn how to sweep a fireplace. You know, we get that weekly checkup. Yeah, that's every good. For going, this is what your technicians are saying about you, and it's up to them. You need to be, get better at it. Or that's really don't. good. And I like that. Don't. Yeah, I, I think um, that's an awesome way to do it because what will happen? I've seen in the past, not with my company yet, because I only have I have two guys right now and an office person. But the if you get two guys together and just keep them together forever sometimes they can develop bad habits together and if you're right. not doing that process of reviewing you'll never even know it so they'll work great together maybe but they might be doing things that don't make a whole lot of sense that what you're doing there is brilliant i like that so that's your you'll put the technician assistant with the lead technician you'll rotate them okay that's we have a that's whole great spreadsheet set up where you have the lead technician going down the the side and then every week they rotate through so we actually have it up and you know who you're getting next week and okay. you know who you're and it's brilliant really i like and then that we get we get a lot more feedback that way it becomes almost a competition you get that drive motivation that just builds itself because right. they now know 
one, they're getting reviewed at the end of this week, so I better do this right and learn. And then you also get, well, what did he need work on last week? Well, he didn't know how to, to take the damper out. Okay, so the next week, that lead will then focus with him on, hey, I heard you didn't know how to do that. Let's work on it this week. And within a month, two months, these guys are able to to do the job, which right. is fantastic. Used to, <laughs> when we first started, you talk about growth. Everything's nice and rosy and wonderful. Now at Caesar Chimney, two, three years in, it was terrible. There was no training. There was no, it was literally day one, get in the van. Same thing. I went right from what <laughs> yeah. I hated yeah. to the same thing. Get in the van and <laughs> yep. follow me and try to keep up. Because you have to do it because you got to get the jobs done. Yeah. yeah. And it takes time. It Growth is such a slow process. Everybody wants to know, how do you grow? How do you hire? How do you get it? It is so slow. Where you are right now with the two technicians in the one office, I remember that stage in my company. It's a beautiful place to be because it's so it's small, but it's it's manageable and mm -hmm. it's growable from there. That's where you get the scale from. Yeah, I taught a class uh, in January at the symposium on uh, company culture and how to grow it. And one of the things I said was when you're growing your company, I didn't really go into it like I should have, but you have two technicians. Your goal as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a lead, whatever role you're in at that moment, is to make those two technicians you. Mm -hmm. I read a book called Clone Yourself where he talks about that. Your, your job is literally to clone yourself. I think that's where a lot of business owners fail or falter in that when they're trying to grow their company is they are still in that you're my technician, you're my helper mindset. So come and help me. How do I grow my company? Well, you're never going to grow your company with helpers. You can't. Right. The right. only way you grow your company is if you clone yourself and you turn whoever's in the seat next to you into you. And that's a humbling place to be. It's a servant leadership mindset that I, I carry with me. I tell my text this now. I'm like, when you're with these assistant technicians, they're not your, your peon, your gopher, your, right. you know, just foot the ladder. I said, if you're treating them like that, that's what they think this company is about. And that's never going to go anywhere. So from me to my managers, from my managers to the lead techs, from the lead techs to the assistants, the mindset is I want to make you better than me every day. Yep. And it works. If you have that mindset of here, let me show you how I do it. All of a sudden they start having ideas. What if we do it this way? What if I try this? And I'm like, go ahead, give it a shot. I know I've already tried it twice and it didn't work. <laughs> right. And magically he tries it and it works. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. So <laughs> it was actually me. Yeah. So all of a sudden you get this crowdsourced kind of, improvement and everybody's trying something and I want to get this tool and can I try it and, and all of a sudden you have change and you have growth but it's invested change it's not me saying do this because mm -hmm. I said so the end goal is still the same clean chimney or swept chimney right so you want to clean the chimney you want to put the liner in you want uh, safe venting how you do it is up to you and that was a, a big problem for me as i became that guy like you have to do it the way that i did it because i've done it for so long and my name right. is man. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> the, all you get is all of a sudden i had technicians that were scared I, I would hear back from the leads and they're like this guy we went out to the job and he goes john said we have to put the ladder here it has to go here because that's where the ladder goes every time and he goes but over there is better no, right. no, no, no. And i was like wait a minute what have i done if this guy's scared <laughs> to put a ladder somewhere different yeah. so i'm like wait a minute but it's all the same thing it's it's all teamwork everybody's got to be invested everybody's got to work together there's no there's a picture in my manager's office i uh, i've shared it a couple times but it shows the leader sitting on like some uh, platform being pulled by the right the people in front of them and then there's the leader at the front helping pull the platform yep that is how i've run my entire company and everybody knows that there's no lead in my company that's allowed to treat their assistant technician like they're just there to hold the ladder 
My managers don't treat the leads like they're beneath them. It's not, it's that teamwork. So you grow everybody together. Everybody's got a purpose. Everybody's reviewing. Everybody's helping. Everybody's working towards that same goal with a path. That's, then they know that tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but they're not just going to sweep a chimney for the rest of their life. Nobody wants to do that. Right. Well, some people do, but I don't want to be on a ladder at, at 50 years old. I don't want to be putting in liners at 60 years old. I don't want to do that. A lot of these young guys don't either. They want to grow into something. So then you start giving things like responsibility. We have a vehicle manager. We have a safety manager. He's in charge of checking everybody's PPE. The vehicle manager's in charge of making sure the oil changes are up to date and that there's no damage to the vehicles. And you start sprinkling responsibility on top of their everyday duties. And it's amazing to watch them grow. Mm-hmm. They just, they, they come into their own and all of a sudden they become, it's, it's just great. <laughs> Yeah. I'd want for a while, but that's, that's when you talk yeah. about seeing them liking their job. They love their job. I, t- I ask all them good. all the time, like, how can you like this job? They're like, this is the greatest job ever. I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> that's really good stuff you touched on there. There's there's so many things in there um, that have just, you know, come up in my my uh, progression here the last couple of weeks and things I, I think about a lot. Like, there's a whole lot of logistical things that you're doing that it's like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. How am I going to – there's so much that – you touched on there that's really good for people to think about so like if you're listening take some of those points john just brought out the things he's doing you're going to be like well how do i do that well first just take those points write some of those things down even the little things like he just said he has somebody in charge of you have somebody in charge of uh, the maintenance of the vehicles making sure they're 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 uh, in good shape i assume someone checks to make sure the oil needs to be changed when it needs to be changed and gets that going and there's a process for that so I was just in the van yesterday and um, that the guys usually use, they had off yesterday. Um, they actually, they were uh, down the day before and they got their CSIA test complete and passed with flying colors. So good job, Hunter and Jason. Um, but so I was in it yesterday out on an estimate and I, I looked down and it's like, oh, this thing needs an oil change. And so at the moment I'm responsible to try to remember all this stuff. I only have the two vehicles, but it, it, it happens quickly and I'm like, I need to, I need a system to manage this. And really all it is, is Hunter or Jason, you're responsible for making sure this thing gets scheduled oil changes. <laughs> it's as simple mm-hmm. as that, but it's their responsibility. It will be soon and they'll, they'll, they'll run with it. And so all the things that we get to do, I, we try to think back when we were employed by someone, if we got a new responsibility, we were, I, I was always thrilled about it. It wasn't like, oh, something more for me to do it was oh great i have something else i'm responsible before i feel more important again or now (laughs) and everybody just wants to feel important the book um how to win friends and influence people i actually never finished it all the way yet i I i start random books at the same time and so i have to finish that one but one of the things that brought out is really everyone just wants to feel important we want to feel valuable we want to feel like other people need our assistance things like it, that will go so far and i think you're doing that with the things you just outlined you're giving people things to to look forward to there's a clear path i know like if if i offered if i had my two texts and i said well here's what you do forever you just clean chimneys and then just uh, send the pictures back to me and i'll deal with it i mean that's not a that's not a career at all that's just a job and they're not going to last they have right now before i even hired them i worked out a whole path for them and I think it's pretty good. It might need some refining, but there's, there's, there's tiers that they can hit, but it's not like stay this long and you hit this tier. It's you're here for whatever amount of time, 
you, you acquire this certification, you learn this, you pass the skills assessment in-house. Now you move up to this tier. You can get this, this perk. Then when you do that, you get these certifications and you, you, have, you demonstrate these qualities. Now you go up to this tier and it actually just never ends. I mean, you can, you can start sweeping a chimney here. And if we, if the company lasts long enough, I hope it will, you can run the company at some point. You can be in charge of the whole thing. And it's, and Absolutely. it's not like, the, it's not a, a, something that's like, well, that's pretty impossible. No, it's very possible. And it's just do the things to grow personally, learn, be a leader and the sky's the limit. And it's, I, I think, um, the e-myth, I talk about it every podcast. You're, I think you're a believer in it. Um, <laughs> we, I, you, like early on, you have to outline your whole organizational structure. So every, every other day I might tweak it just a little bit, but it goes all the way up to the CEO. And actually above that, there's a slot for shareholders just because, but if, if for some reason, you know, multiple people would own this at some point, but there's a path, there's all these positions and the great game of business book, also another great one, mm -hmm. lets you see the importance of sharing these types of things with people, sharing the financials. I know that's scary for a lot of people, showing yeah. them the numbers um, and teaching them how to run a business. It's like, why would I want to do that? This is my business. I don't want these people starting their own and knowing my numbers. Well, it's you can do that and you could probably you're going to turn around, turn through a lot of people and um they're going you're going to have competitors formed from your company anyway eventually it's just <laughs> so they're and uh they're never going to be you though like they're never going right. to be john caesar and they're never going to be justin they're going to do things their way they'll probably when the day they leave they'll probably run their business that way forever they'll never grow it to beyond where they left and I think I've heard you say this competition is good. You don't care if there's guys all around you. So what? I mean, who cares? Oh, I have to. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like you, you strive to be better every single day. I live in um, the Scranton, Pennsylvania area, and it's right next to one of the major manufacturers. Um, I've watched them grow from a little tiny operation to now a giant company. I worked for them for back in, I don't know, maybe 2001, I filled in for a guy who went on vacation for two weeks. Um, where am I going with this? Why did I say that? <laughs> oh, so I'm the only one that does that. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I've, this area is like filled with, with competitors because it's so close to the hub of where this business, like this big chimney liner company started. And there was a bunch of family members here that did it first. And there's just, and those family members and hired guys and they all started their own business. Like, so there's, there's, there's a lot of competitors, but what I found is if you reach out to your competitors, try to be friends with them, um, help them whenever you can, things are great. So where I used to work, there was a competitor and that company didn't like him. And that guy I would suspect probably didn't like the company I was with. And they were always, kind of at war with prices and all this stuff. And if you saw him, the other guy driving through town, you, you, you didn't look at them, whatever. Oh, there goes <laughs> that guy. He does whatever. Well, I started my own business and I reached out to some of these people and guess what? They're great guys. The, the company I worked for was saying they weren't, 
but they're great. And guess what? One of those guys sends tons of work my way. Tons. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> if it's fantastic. And so whenever, if I ever get anything, basically he can handle, I don't have anything I can give to him because he's already got so much. That's why he sends a lot of the stuff my way. That's a specific thing that he doesn't really want to work on. I'm super grateful for it because in reality, I do very little advertising. I get, I get referrals from competitors. I get word of mouth. And so like, you know, I'm sure similar things happen with you. It's like, okay, great. You have all these competitors, but did it hurt your business? No. And it's like you were talking about when you reach out and you talk to them, we have an amazing relationship with almost every competitor in our area. Yeah. I don't even call them competitors. I have a competitor right now, 20 minutes away from me, has a key to my shop. If he needs yeah. a tea or a liner, he can show up anytime and go grab it. Like that, I had a competitor and I say that I, they're not competitors. Right. They yeah. Are, yep. I agree. They're cooperation co-competitors, whatever. But uh, I called them up once because when you when you start your own business and you run into an issue, there's nobody above you anymore, right? Before you had somebody, the business owner, the lead that you could lean on and say, hey, yeah. how do you fix this? Yep. <clears throat> I went out on my own, got a liner stuck in a chimney and I called uh, a friend of mine local here and I said, hey, what do I do? And it was now eight, nine o'clock at night and we were <laughs> yeah. still, this was their heating system. We yep. couldn't leave. Until yep, this I know the feeling. Left. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the basement and I got the homeowner looking at me and I'm just I was literally almost at the point of tears. I might have even been crying at that point. I'm like, this is terrible. What have I done? And all of a sudden I hear a voice come down the liner and he goes, oh, what are you doing down there? And he had shown up, drove 45 minutes at nine yep. o'clock at night in the dark yep. and he's up on the roof and he's trying to help me out. And his wife and his daughter were upstairs playing with the homeowner's wife. And yeah. I'm going, what are yep. you? What? Like, this isn't even his job. He just showed up and we got it in. Yep. Based on his experience, we tried a couple of things and we got it in. But that never happens if you don't have a relationship with your yeah. competitor. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's an amazing story. It's, it's insane. A lot of people who are not, that don't believe in this whole idea and are afraid of their competitors to talk to them or they don't want to give them an edge. I mean, you're being ridiculous. I'm sorry. But it's insane <laughs> to fight against your competitors reach out to them, send them a text message, say, Hey, um, we've been competitors. We might've exchanged some words in the past that weren't the greatest, but Hey, let, what can we do to help each other? You know, it, it's amazing what it will do. It'll open up so many opportunities. That, that story is incredible. Like, so he, oh, he's yeah. not, your that's amazing to reach out to somebody. I didn't do it daily almost. Right. My, my technicians yeah. think I'm, I know everything and I'm the be all end all the chimneys right. and half the time I'm calling somebody, Hey, what do you do? What would I do here? Where do you get this part? How do you, yep. I've never done this before. You have to do that. That's humility. You have to be able to say, Hey, I don't know. And I'm going to find out. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, if you're, if you're a chimney sweep, you're trying to grow your business. If you're living on an Island by yourself, stop it. It's, <laughs> it's foolish. I mean, you can get on the Facebook groups. That's great and all. You can get answers to questions, but reach out to your competitor. I, I, it will change. You'll you'll be amazed at what it will do. Uh, like I said, I reached out to this this uh, individual, and you know, I never really knew him. I just had ideas in my head based on what other people were telling me, and they weren't trustworthy people in the end. And this guy's great, and he'll know who he is. He listens to the podcast. I, I think he's. I see the things he does and the way he tries to help people and in the business he's thrown my way and he he doesn't want anything in return for it. He's just like, hey, here it is. Just help them out. I mean, the, the opportunities that open up are, are great for that. And like you help each other. You have a problem, like John, John just said, like you said, you call them up. Hey, can you help me? They'll, 
a competitor. He's not a competitor, but maybe you thought he was. He's now your he's your business associate of whatever you want to come up with. That's that's great. And that feeling, John, that you've experienced uh, perhaps multiple times. I was on a job once um, prior to my own company here, and we were putting rigid liner in. It was eight oh, inch yeah. rigid, and we had to flu break. So we got that done. I was with my brother in law at the time, and uh, it was raining. And I'm like, come on. Do you, I, <laughs> We don't we need to reschedule this job. Nope, he wanted to get it done. All right, fine. So long story short, um, we're on the roof together and it's rigid liner. The the support clamp is just up above. It's like it's been secured to the liner just enough so that if the liner was to slip, it, it stays and it doesn't shoot all the way down the chimney. Well, it came loose a little bit, and he had his hand under, like right on top of the crown, and the edge of the support clamp like Ooh. the part that comes out that the bolt goes through yep. came down on top of his finger oh. and his I think it was his middle finger. And he just, he, it happened. It like made that clank noise to hit the top of the crowd. I saw it happen. Like I was looking at his finger. He couldn't see his finger because he was on the other side. Oh. I looked at his finger and it was slit all the way through. He pulled his finger back and looked at it and like the whole thing just lifted off like it was oh, <laughs> the tip of it and i'm like oh my goodness and so he's bleeding all over the place and so we have the liner halfway in the chimney and they need heat because it's it's kind of like winter but it was raining and it was weird and i'm like what do we do i'm like I'm like do we have to <laughs> we have to at least get this thing partially hooked up so he powered through it we got it hooked up enough so that it was it was going to run safely. It just wasn't completed, and yep. uh, you know I'll, I'll make try to make this short. We get to this. I have to tell this part because this was a bone a bonehead move on myself. <laughs> so we get to the hospital because he needed stitches bad, and uh, we're in this like a smaller van. It's a lower van. It's like one of those minivan, those the caravans type work style vehicle, and uh, it had a roof rack, ladder rack on it. And I pull into the parking garage. I'm forgetting like what I'm driving because now it's like we got to get him to the hospital. I made him wait a long time, and his finger's a mess. So I drive through the entranceway, and you know those things that hang down with the pole that are the 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 pipe that if you hit it, it says don't oh, go. Yeah. You're you shouldn't go in here because you're going to get stuck now. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, that's okay. It it we got underneath it. Yeah. Well, I moved it forward because it hangs on chains. So I, I keep driving down into the garage and I, it's going downhill. Long story short, I got it wedged in with the uh, beams going across <laughs> on the roof and I ripped apart the roof rack and all that stuff. I had oh, what a, a long story after that, but it was crazy. But what, yeah, the feeling you get now when you get something stuck or you can't, you feel like you can't finish it and the homeowner needs the heat that, and that's, Yeah. You got sometimes you have to call someone. Uh, you, they they have the experience. They know how to make a tool to maybe get get that thing unstuck or whatever. But as a side the point, the beauty of that feeling though it permeates through the company. Yeah. It's not just yep. me being able to call another business owner and ask a business question. In our, you talk about the employees loving their job and, and enjoying being there. I think the greatest example I have of how awesome my technicians are, and I, I joke around a lot, like Jasper Drangle and I go back and forth, but who has the better technicians? I do, obviously. Mine are better. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very not biased, as you can see. But one of the greatest examples of how amazing my guys are is they're on commission. I don't like that word. It's a dirty word. I used to be right. in sales, and I don't like that sales mindset, so I preach that whole different story about sales versus service. They eat what they kill. 
I even pay commission on sweepings. It's not what you sell, it's what you do. Right. So you go out and do a sweeping, you get the same percentage of that sweeping cost that you would get if you went out and did a liner, rebuild, stove install. You get this, you know, a percentage of it. So it's whatever you do, you get paid for. So if you, if I have, let's say, two technicians going out, and one of them has an easy liner and they're done at noon, and the other one's got a two-liner rebuild scaffolding, right, on the same day, the technician that gets done at noon has made his pay for the day. He's made his commission. He's got the job done. He gets back to the shop. But he calls out to everybody else, hey, does anybody need help? And oh, that's nice. something we've, we've driven that into them. Like, you're not leaving at noon. This is not a I'm done so I get to go home individualistic kind of mindset. You're going to call. And they get, that's happened before people, I just want to go home. I don't want to go out and help. Call and ask first, does anybody need help? More times than not, you'll have a technician that has a job that's going south. It's not working. Something's not going right. It's stuck. Can't figure it out. And the, the technician that's already done for the day, technically, has already been paid, will go out and they've worked with that other team till 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night to get that job done for free. Right. I tell them that. I'm like, hey, if they yeah. come out, you guys work it out between yourself. If you want to split it and give them a piece, and sometimes that happens, a couple of technicians are like, yeah, I'll take this amount. A lot of them are, no, nope, I'm just going to help you out to get it done. But we have that in-house as well as outside where they can call for help. They're not always going to get me or my managers. They get each other that's where that team happens. Yeah. They know that they have shoulders to lean on and they're not on an island in this company where everybody's gone because they all had sweepings and easy days, but I'm stuck out here by myself. Yeah. They can call for help anytime they need it. And it's beautiful to watch. We have two, three lead technicians go out to help another one because they know that they need that expertise. Like I've never done a class A before. Can you come help me with it? Absolutely. When I finish my job, I'll be there. And just watching that camaraderie, it's not competition. It's not individuals. It's not you know, mine, 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 it's we. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's really good stuff. I, I'm i going to have to talk to you more after this podcast sometime <laughs> about some of the how you implement some of that. So my guys are not on commission right now. They get they get their pay, hourly pay, but there's there's they can get once they hit a certain tier. Now they can start making commission on jobs mm -hmm. um, and they I have it set up in the way that, OK, you you that job is yours. You sold it but now you have to do it as well to get yep. the commission on it. I'm not sure how all that's going to work yet because it's relatively new. I like the idea of commission. I know that the employees, the, the techs, they might be very apprehensive about that. They and I, and I feel there, I probably can understand. And it's like, until we have lots, I mean, we're booked out a month. We shouldn't be, I don't want to be booked out that far. I want to only be booked out a week. We're booked out over a month. I love hearing you say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a millennial thing too. You ever notice when you get into conventions or expos or you just meet somebody that that becomes the chimney sweep code? Yeah. Like how, how long you booked, booked out? out? <laughs> yeah, how far you booked out? And it's always I'm booked out six weeks. Oh, well, I'm seven, and it becomes like this. Ooh, yeah, I hate being. Yeah, booked. that means you don't have enough one, people to do it. Max. Yeah, yeah, that means you're lacking resources. It's like I've never seen it so that there's always work. Like the phone will ring to give us work. If we had zero work today. I'm certain that by next week we will have plenty. It's yeah. not like, oh, I gotta, I gotta pack the schedule because I don't know if I'll have work. You will. I, we have a nonstop flow of calls yep. and work, and we're telling Mark people. Said well, that. that's yeah. where I got that kind of mindset. Was I was talking to him once, and he said it's the same money. Right. I said, what do you mean? He goes, if you have one van and you're booked out, let's say, you know, round numbers, thousand dollars a day, but you're booked out two months you're only making a thousand dollars a day it's the same money right. you just prolonged it 
Yeah. Now, if you can work yourself to the point that you can clone yourself and train and grow and get these people to be able to do the same thing you can do, now you're making two thousand dollars a day. Right. And yeah. then you book it. And that's kind of been my mindset with that is it's not growth just to grow. It's managed growth based on what we need. And I don't want if I'm booked out six weeks, I raise prices. Right. <laughs> if I'm booked yeah. out eight weeks, I you know, I'm like losing my mind. I want to get less. We did it last year. I raised prices twice in the busy season because I wanted to set less appointments. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. I don't want somebody calling up in, in September and I'm like, I'll see you in January. People right. brag about that. They're like, Oh, I'm booked out till next year. That's terrible for your customer. Right. If I called up and needed a service in, in September and you're like, see you next year, I'm calling somebody else. Yeah. Like, what? I don't yeah. want to lose customers. Yeah. I want to make more per customer while I have them, not make them wait for me for three months. So yeah. I totally get that. And I've, I've never heard anybody else say it like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it. it's like, cause the way I look at it too is, all right, this time of year, people are less likely to cry about it because they don't really need their heating system that much. They're, they're more willing to wait in the fall. They call and they want their, their chimney swept and you say it's four weeks. They'll say, okay, I'll call the next guy. Now, maybe for some people, it's like, I don't care so much about the sweep money. We don't make money on sweeps, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, there's repair work you're going to find at 95% of every sweep. But at the same time, even if I wasn't to get work from it and it was just the sweep, I want to go take care of that customer so that they mm -hmm. can have the great experience and then they can tell their friends. That's advertising. I mean, yeah. being in front of them, even if we make, I have it set up so we're not losing money on a sweep, but we make very little profit. But we're, we're getting in their face to, to advertise to them and their friends and then the potential for there's the work being there. And I mean, it being booked out into, into July right now is silly. I hate every second of it, but I'm, I don't, <laughs> it's like, I don't, well, I don't know what makes sense, yeah. right? You think about it, you talk about repair money. Everybody loves the repair money because it's, it's money. It's a lot of it. We had a customer call us up uh, three, four years ago. We used to have very black and white language in our inspection reports. So right. one of my technicians went out and he found a three flue chimney, fireplace, wood stove, boiler. Boiler flue was cracked. And at the bottom of it, it says, um, I forget what he used to say. This appliance can or cannot be used as is. Are we recommend using or not using? It was something like that. Yes or no, black and white. And the customer calls up that night and he goes, so, uh, so-and-so was out and he did an estimate boiler needs to be fixed so i want to schedule it i was like cool great all right yeah uh let's put you out we're looking at you know six seven weeks out and he goes i don't think you heard me right i need this fixed your technician wrote this cannot be used exactly it's and we shut our boiler off yep are you coming tomorrow or not and i went what yeah <laughs> wait a minute so i'm like how am i supposed to serve my customer i just told them in a black and white professional report yep you cannot use this and he took that literally shut it down and it's now below freezing and they have no heat yeah and i'm saying i'll see you in six weeks absolutely not yep so we took that mindset and now in the fall in our busiest time this is i thought it was gonna be suicide and it wasn't busiest time of the year we don't book thursdays and fridays we completely we block it off yep. they're not allowed to set that appointment so now you call caesar chimney in october on monday Right, and you say I need to get my chimney swept. When can you do it? You have two options. You can do it six weeks out because we're always going to be booked out no matter what in the fall. It just happens. We have an opening in six weeks for our normal price, or we can get you in Thursday for an extra fee. And yeah. it's up to them. Now they can choose. Right now you're not going to lose that customer. They're not going to say, "Fine, I'll call somebody else," and they get somebody that doesn't know what they're doing because they can do it sooner. Now it's 
I can get you this week or I can get you in six weeks and it's up to them. And we made, we made a lot of money, but we made the customers happy. Yes. Yeah. Now they're bragging to their fan. Well, I got it swept in a week and I got this and they were able to come out and they found it's all about serving the customer. If you're going into it for the money and you're going to sell and to make money and drop liners and the customer's going to feel it. Mm-hmm. My technicians do the same thing you just said. We have it like right now we are booked out six, seven weeks or something crazy like that. It's just been insane. Uh, uh, spring so far, but my technicians are like, give me all of the repairs. I'm booking all this work, line it up. I've got one, two technicians right now, both 18, 19 years old that I'm not kidding, have six straight weeks of nothing but repairs on their plate. I said, don't do that. You need to put sweeping days in for two reasons. One, you need to decompress and not kill yourself. Right. Yeah. But you don't get repairs without the sweepings. So don't go work for six straight weeks and kill yourself and be dog tired to then have to turn around and do a month straight of sweepings. Like that's, you need to have balance. You need to schedule it out. And they didn't get that. And I'm going, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to book out five days a week of repairs for you. You need to go out and you need to break it up a little bit, but it's easy to get that mindset when you're selling. I don't like to sell. Yeah. Yeah. That's all great stuff. I mean, I think we can, we could go on and on and on. And um, I know you've talked about, uh, the desire to potent the potential desire of having your own podcast. But yeah. I, I think uh, if you if you could, if you figure out a way to do it, if you do it, you're, it's going to be great. I mean, there's, there's some really good, valuable things you have in there. There's, you've, I, I would suspect that a lot of the not maybe not a lot, but some of the things you figured out, you probably got help from someone. Um, Lots and, of someone. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. It's like, to figure that so I'm not I don't want to sound like a jerk here. But I probably could figure this stuff out. But it would probably take me many, 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 many years, I would spend a fortune on mistakes. And I would kill my health even more than it's already been killed. (laughs) I you know, so it's, it's pointless to say, let me just do this myself. Why? Why would you? Why would you? We touched on it earlier too. You mentioned, I had it written down, where was it? You talked about uh, sharing financials, uh, being scared of competitors or talking to them or sharing with them and then scared of employees leaving. That's something that I, I've i dealt with myself and in other companies, but that's all fear-based. You're right, scared right. of, I don't know what you're scared. You're scared of a lot of different things, but you can't have that a fear-based leadership or a fear-based company because then you become closed off. You become, yep. like you said, I'll figure it out myself and I'll make it work myself. No, you got to ask for help. I have yep. so I have literally dozens of people in this industry that I have called for help personally, business-wise, company or leadership-wise. I talk about Stoner a lot. I've really tried to not mention his name on this one because on Chad's I talked about him a lot. Stoner is the reason that I'm here, literally. Yeah. He's the reason. Even before I knew him, I'm reading about him, seeing him on TV, reading his books, and learning from his mistakes. Chuck Hall's another one. Chuck Roydhouse, Jasper Drangler, Steve Skylar. Like, there's so many of these guys. Steve, I, I talked about this on Chad's podcast, pulled out one of my first liner that I ever did a Caesar chimney service. Yep. A year later, he pulled it out, took a picture of a dog peeing on it, put it on Facebook. And, <laughs> yeah. and to most people, like these people that complain, oh, everybody on the forums is so mean. Listen to them. They know something you don't. They see something you didn't. It's a yep. blind spot. It's a, a different perspective. Just have an open mind when it comes to that. Cause I almost killed somebody. Almost, I could have burned that house to the ground. Yeah. I and mean, it was a great guy. He was giving me, he worked for an energy drink company. He's giving me free energy drinks and I'm petting that dog that eventually beat on my liner. Like 
you got to have an open mind because yeah. there's people that know more than you do. And there's oh, for sure. the reason I am where I am is because of literally dozens of people that know more than I do. But I ask them. Yep. I'll, I'll call them regularly. How do you do this? How do you do that? What would, Have you been through this before? What do you recommend? I don't know. Have that kind of attitude because if you run a fear-based company, it's it's not good. I mean, I'm not going to you know put words in anybody else or tell them how to run their companies. But you talked about sharing financials, right? I have two, two, I call them bastard companies. They're splinters of us. They're all people that were fired or let go for whatever reason. They're off doing their own thing. Great. I don't care, mm-hmm. right? There was a, a class I saw at conventions years ago. I forget who taught it, but they talked about market share. And he showed one neighborhood in Kentucky, and there was like 500 houses in it. And he goes, if you swept and lined one of these a day, that would take you over an entire year. And then he zoomed out to show all of uh, Louisville, and he's like, that's 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 the tiniest percent yep. and really if you have a good market share you have less than one percent of your market and that kind of stuck with me i don't care how many competitors i have there's more than enough chimneys out there to be served i'm trying to cull the herd here i'm trying to raise prices and only work for people that want it done right i'm not going to half-ass it and because i want you know i don't want to be trying to help everybody be booked out three months it's not going to happen but right. anyway so i lost two a bunch of employees that started two other companies and I realized it's because if you're leading a company in such a way, they go out and they get, they see the dollars, right? They're bringing home these checks with all these zeros in it. They think that it's, a lot of people think being a chimney owner, you're rolling in money. Yeah, and yeah right. It's coming out of your ears, right? Wow, I brought home this $10,000 check and he must just yeah. go out and buy a car with that. Yep. <laughs> so they did. They went out and they thought it's easy. I can do what he can do. Same way I did. Same way a lot of people did. You work for somebody else. You think you can do it better. That's what an entrepreneur is. E-myth. But what I did after that is kind of fun. And I tell a lot of people this. I take my P&L at the end of the year, my profit and loss. And I've done this now the last two, three years in a row. I didn't do the last one my GM did. But I take my P&L and I go through and I pull out 15 to 20 random line items. Disposal fee. You know, the dumpster we have out front. um, Uniforms. Gas. uh, Job materials. Payroll. I take out big numbers and little numbers. And I'll take 15 to 20 of them and I'll make a spreadsheet out of it. The first time I did this on a whiteboard and I was like, let's have a fun game. I went out and I got $200 in $10 bills and put it in my pocket. I had 20 uh, P&L line items. And I said, everybody wants you. We played like prices, right? Everybody guess how much we spent last year on payroll. And they went up on the whiteboard and they wrote down their answers on the board. And whoever got the closest without going over got $10. Yeah. And we played this game. So payroll, gas uniforms, whatever I pulled out that was an interesting number. And it was fun. They had a lot of fun. They learned a lot. They made some money. But afterwards, I had two or three employees pull me aside. They're like, John, come here, come here. Um, are, are you trying to tell us that we're going under? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. They're like, are we Are we broke? Like, is, are we? I'm like, no. But that's what I wanted you to understand, right? You see these dollars coming in. You see the ticket prices. You see the the checks that we're cashing, deposit, all that. I don't hide anything. I know a lot of employee or a lot of business owners like they can't write the estimates and they can't see the materials and they can't see the markup. Forget all that. Mm-hmm. Show them everything. Yeah. But show them everything. Show, yeah. Don't just show them how much you're charging, how much you're making, but then just show them how much you're spending, right? Yep. When I tell somebody that I spent, <laughs> well, I said this at, the, at mine, I was like, we spent $500,000 on payroll in one year. I thought that was a lot. I went to Mark Stoner's for the symposium. He spends 100000 a week. Right. I'm like, my entire payroll for a year is the first five weeks of the year for Mark Stoner. Like, yep. that's perspective. Holy crap. Yeah. But tell your employees that if they see that I spent 
$30,000 on uniforms last year, all of a sudden, they're going to take care of that shirt a little better. Mm-hmm. Instead of coming and asking for another one, hey, I got some crown coat on it. Can I do another one? They're like, let me not ruin this because thirty grand, like that number sticks with them. Mm-hmm. But share that with them. I actually had one of my employees last week came in and he was bragging about how much money he was making and how much he had, how many cat I forget what it was. He was he was joking around, and I happened to be, have my P and L for this year up. And I said, "Come here, have a seat." And I was like, "Click through that. Look at how much we've spent on Service Titan this year. Look how much we've spent on uniforms." And he's scrolling through and he goes, "You've got to be kidding me!" Yep. He's like, <laughs> "We were upside down for the first quarter." He goes, how did you spend that much money that we didn't make? I'm like, funny you should ask. That's last year's profits. And he's like, oh, my God. But make them understand. Like, I'll share everything with anybody. You want to come into my shop, see my P&L, show it to you. You want to see how we run our office? You want to see how we do everything? There's no trade secrets here. Everybody's doing the same thing in their own fun way. And I learn a lot from other people's businesses, same as I try to help them. But be open. Be open to everybody. You can walk in my office right now and I'll give you a, a tea body and my P&L and a donut. <laughs> and like, yeah. But it all comes down to that fear. But I don't fear anybody. I don't fear competition. I don't fear employees leaving. If you treat them right, pay them well, give them a career path and show them how much it sucks to be a business owner. They're not leaving. They would much rather make a bunch of money working for you. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I, it's, I, I went off again. <laughs> go no, off. that's yeah. good stuff. I mean, that's what it, that's, that's, that's so perfect. I, I saw so much of what you said today and what we've talked about is really what um, business owners need to hear. I mean, you could just get into the chimney business. Like it's, it's relatively easy. You can, you can do it super cheap, but to have a business that actually works, it's so complicated. I mean, but it's not so complicated that you shouldn't do it. And that's kind of the, the, one of the reasons for this podcast too. It's like, it's hard but if you do the right things and you listen to the right people and you read the right books and you ask the right questions, it does make sense. Now it's like, it's like, you know what you have to do, but there's some certain logistical things I think along the way that you have to figure out on your own to see how it works for your business and your people and your culture and all that. But there's a formula. That's the thing people don't understand. E-Myth, once again, I go back to that a lot is most of us started working for somebody else and we got really good at our job. We're really good at lining, really good at caps, really good at sweeping. But then you start your own business because you think you can do it for yourself. Now you're really, actually you're not as good now at sweeping and and repairing because now you've got 19 other things you have Mm -hmm. to do like marketing and hiring and designing. And if you don't know how to do it, ask somebody, call somebody. Hey, I love your, your logo. Where'd you get it? Hey, I love your, uh, your hiring process or can you help me or can you do this and reach out. The chimney industry is full of people that want to help and they want to tell and they want to talk and they want to show. There are some that don't and don't talk to them. That's mm-hmm. fine. If they don't yeah. want to help or show or not be part of the that group, the 99% of them are. They want to help. Write them on Facebook, send them an email, give them a call. But the majority of people want to help and show and, and guide. And I mean, I would literally not be where I am if it wasn't for those dozens of people I'm talking about that I can call and say, hey, who does your taxes? Where do you do your, where'd you find this? Who wrote your handbook? Nothing I've done has been 100% me. I've had to find somebody else that did it first. And sometimes, like I I talk about Stoner a lot, I'll go to his shop and we'll learn from each other still, which boggles my mind because you started this out talking about, um, you know, seeing me across the room and and, uh, watching videos. That was Stoner for me. And now I go to his shop and we're walking around talking and 
I said something that he goes, I'm gonna, I like that. I think I'm going to try that. We're going to do it. And then, of course, there was 10 things that I saw when I was there that I'm writing down, like, we're going to put this into place and try this. And yeah. that's how you grow. You can't yep. grow if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret, too. I had to have a man crush on Mark. I mean... I think like, everybody does. Really. <laughs> yeah, if you're a chimney guy and you want to grow your business, like this guy's, like he's, there's, it's amazing. I mean, so I didn't really know about him too much prior to like a couple of years ago. I mean, I heard his name. I didn't, I didn't know too much, but I went to a, an education thing in Scranton that Copperfield put on, and he was one of the speakers. And like the stuff he was saying was like, so th this was right when I started my business. It was just me. And all the stuff he was saying made so much sense. And one of the biggest things that hit me was, you know, what are you going to do if you get hurt? Yeah, that's, that's what really got me. And I thought about that because at first I was just, just going to do this myself. I wasn't planning on a big business. It was like, I had to start this business out of necessity. Um, it wasn't like I planned it. It was just one day it's like, oh, well, I quit that job for this reason and that reason. Now, what am I going to do? And it's like, well, I have to do the only thing I can do that I know makes money. Like there's a ton of other things I could have done that I've done over the years. And I was really good at them, but I didn't make any money. They were, <laughs> they were pointless. So I had to do this. And it's like, I'm not really the type of guy to, to last a long time. I'm not that hardy because I spent so much time sitting at a desk over the years and my, now I have back problems and whatever. So it's like, yeah, I get hurt just climbing a ladder all day, my knee, because I, I need surgery and all this. It's like, so I'm hurting now. What's going to happen if I actually get hurt? No. Every I'm cooked. So it was like from that day, I started thinking about, yeah, I've got to do something. I've got to grow this. I don't know how to do it. I know what I saw at my old place. And, you know, they did some things right. I can't say they did everything wrong, but I knew it had to be different. And I just didn't know how. And then I started just soaking up everything I could. And uh, this is where I'm at now. And I have so much ground to cover yet, but, <laughs> but it's, it's a journey and it's fun. I, it's a little too fun. Sometimes I'm sure you probably Absolutely. spend it, it a lot of fun. If it's not fun, <laughs> it's not worth doing. Do you find yourself like really late at night when you should be just relaxing? Um, What's relaxing? What does that mean? Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> instead of instead of watching a comedy or something, you're you're looking over spreadsheets and tweaking numbers and trying to oh. write SOPs, refine them. And <laughs> so, quick story on that. It's all the time is the answer. But somebody called me up uh, a couple of years ago and they said, "I love your Facebook. I love you. What you're doing. Who do you use?" They wanted to get the number. Who do I call? And I said, "That's funny. It's me." Right. I yeah. got. There was a $2 app that I got, and I still have it to this day. $2 app on, on the Play Store, and when I'm sitting at night and I'm watching the news or got the Red Sox game on or I just got a moment to relax, I literally just pull it out, a picture of a job I found today, a little picture of a guy, some words, boom, done. And I make this these pictures that I post, and I do it all myself. I don't hire anybody or send it out. $2 app that I paid once. And I gave it to him. I gave him the app and told him where it was, and I hung up, and my uh, one of my managers was sitting there, and he goes, why are you giving out your secrets? Why are you helping? Why are you, why are you telling him how to do, how to be you? And I said that, and you said it earlier too. I said, that's the funny thing is he's not me. I don't know if he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to take what I, I gave him the app. It's literally $2, go download it, use it. And then it takes five minutes watching a, a commercial break. And mm -hmm. I have a Facebook post for the next day. And sure enough, he never used it. Yep. And that, it takes that, you know, that time. 
I do it all the time. Every night I'm sitting looking at jobs for the next day or I'm looking at what happened today or I'm looking at numbers or spreadsheets or fixing or doing. Chuck Hall gave me probably my favorite little uh, nugget when it comes to running the business rather than being in the business. He said, your new position is constant and never-ending improvement. And that's back yeah. when I was calling people like, what do I do? I'm bored. I'm, I'm out of a yep. van. What do I do? He goes, your new title is not, you don't sweep chimneys. You don't put in liners. He goes, you are in charge of your company's constant and never-ending improvement. And man, I took that and I ran with it. That's my daily goal. What can I change? What can we do better? What what happened yesterday that wasn't quite right? What can we add? What can we, every day. I tweaked it a little bit and I added something to it, which is constant, never-ending improvement and support. Servant leader type yeah. mindset. Yep. That's how I, I'm always thinking, but that's what I am. I'm there. My company knows I'm not sitting on a beach somewhere with a Mai Tai. God, I'd like to do that. But they know <laughs> at any second they can call yeah. me and they can say, how does this work? Where do I go? What do I do? Can you come help me? And I'll still go out and I'll put a liner and I'll put a cap on, get up on the roof, whatever they need. But I am constant, never-ending improvement and support for my company. And that trickles down as well. Like I was talking about leads helping leads and managers going out, but they know they can rely and help each other. And they're not out there just struggling, killing themselves and they have to do this for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Well, that's, that's some good stuff. I think uh, that's our time for today, but it's, it's been a great uh, talking to you. And I've learned a lot of stuff and hopefully our listeners have as well. I mean, there's, there's so much stuff tied into all these topics and, and we just kind of, hit the surface of them but i think if you have questions for john and you reached out to him i'm almost certain that he would answer them Absolutely. You, right you'd answer because i i've reached out to him in the past too and so it's like don't be afraid if you're listening to this and you don't have any connections with anyone uh if you have a man crush on john or <laughs> or mark stoner and you're watching what he's doing but you're afraid to reach out because they're like famous to you just just say hi on facebook everybody's on facebook now send a message, get on the group. Uh, the, there's a couple different groups, chimney professionals and chimney world and uh, another chimney chatter is another one, I think. And just reach out to people, ask questions. And you, you, you know, some of the forums or the groups, you might post a picture of your job and people will tear it apart, <laughs> let them and, and then learn from that. I mean, it's like, I know the stuff I used to do, I thought I was doing a good job. And then I realized because I learned something, someone taught me or I read it in the manuals, I wasn't doing it right. All right. Well, if you did a job that's going to kill someone, potentially go back and fix it. Or oh, yeah. if it's less serious, just never do that again. And <laughs> I'm sure, you know, talk to anybody that's in this business. Um, we've all had things we're probably not proud of the way it turned out. But as long as we don't repeat the same mistake or try to find a way to be better next time, I think we'll be good. So that's that's just uh, some some advice there. I, I know I've messed up a couple of things, just a couple. <laughs> no, not at all. That was perfect. <laughs> um, but that'll do it then for today, John. We appreciate you being on with us. And thanks for tuning in to the Built from the Ground podcast. And we'll see you next time.